Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to our Thursday preview of Three Yards Per Carry. Looking forward to the biggest game, perhaps the biggest game in the NFL this season, between the Baltimore Ravens and our Miami Dolphins, who travel to the Queen City for this AFC matchup, number one against number two in the conference, potentially for the number one seed. I, of course, am Simon Clancy with Alfredo Arteaga and Chris Kaufman is back. Happy Christmas to those of you that weren't uh, didn't join us on our Tuesday show. I hope you have, a, have had a nice week with family and friends and all those sorts of things. But we are laser focused now on the biggest challenge potentially the Dolphins will face, maybe all season really, and that is Jim Harbaugh's John Harbaugh's a Harbour, whoever, whichever Harbour you want. John Harbour's Baltimore Ravens. Before we get into that, though, don't forget, our show, as always, is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use the promo code 3, that's the number 3 yards, to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. And by Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5, that's the number 5, RSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code 5RSN. It's the perfect time, quite frankly, for friends and family who you haven't seen, here's a good present idea. Alf, here's another present idea. Tell the folks about Factor Meals. Well, we have a dedicated page over at factormeals.com. And if you go to factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero. And of course, that three yards per carry is the number three yards per carry five zero. And use the promo code of the same three yards per carry five zero. You get tw- you get 50% off your first order. So let's look ahead to this game and we may as well start when the Dolphins have the ball and when the Ravens are on defense because this is an outstanding defense. We talked about it a bit last night, Alf, you and I, on uh, our OnlyFins chat. Um, really strong at all three levels. Corners are great with Stevens and uh, and Marlon Humphrey and they've got depth with Armour Davis and Darby and and uh, those guys. The safeties are excellent, notably Kyle Hamilton who's playing, who is playing as well as anybody in the league at any position, will be an all-pro uh, maybe in the running for defensive player of the year in terms of just what he's able to do. Mike McDonald calling the plays. He's mixing, I've just seen a, a graph, he's mixing up coverages more than any defensive coordinator in the league. So Miami will have that to look out for. And obviously that the linebacking crew, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Queen, a free agent at the end of the season, playing brilliant football, Roquan Smith, playing sensationally. And then inside interior defensive line, they're stout against the run with Michael Pierce. Justin Madrique, I think, has 11 and a half or 12 sacks, will probably be an all-pro. And the edges are speedy and can get to the quarterback as well. It's a three-level defense that provides all sorts of problems with a defensive coordinator who's calling plays at the top of his game. Absolutely. And they're a, they're a defense that's highly mobile. They want to keep their, their linebackers as clean as possible. So you got to do the opposite. You got to muddy it up a little bit. You got to keep them involved. You got to keep them with a guy in their face. You got to keep them mindful of the flat. 
which means throwing to your backs, which means running inside, which means releasing your guards to the second level. So they're at their best, and that defense is at their best when Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are just running sideline to sideline. You can't allow that. You just cannot allow that. You got to give them a lot to do. And the good news is Miami's capable of giving them a lot to do because Devon A. Chan and Raheem Mostert are capable pass-catching backs, and so can uh, Jeff Wilson get involved in this passing game. So that's going to be key above all else. If they're running free sideline to sideline, they're too free to play too many of their coverages. So that's going to be the, the early key in this game is to see your backs involved in the passing game because that's the way forward to some success on offense. Chris Baltimore kind of Baltimore have kind of set the standard uh, in terms of ability, in terms of talent. You look at the, the their wins this season. The 49ers, who they crushed on on Monday, but the Jaguars, the Rams, the Lions, the Seahawks. I mean, they blew the Lions away at home. They are four and three at home, um, oddly, uh, and had a few struggles. And the Rams, obviously, with a scheme that very much mirrors ours, took them to overtime. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think that the four or sorry, the Baltimore defense is um is very good situationally. This is this is how I see their defense. I, I think that it's a marriage between the defense and offense because the offense is the number one rushing team in the league. Um and and so they they have with with that comes sort of um the ability on defense to uh to play more situationally and to excel in situations. And so you know, we're talking about um, third downs. We're talking about red zone. Uh, you know, bowing up in the red zone, and so Miami, this they'll have to be on top of things in the red zone this time. Miami's been a good red zone team all year, but lately, you know, not so much. So, so Miami's going to have to get on top of it there, and then they're going to have to not, you know, so, uh, commit the sort of mistakes that get them into the more predictable situations because Baltimore tends to feast on that. However, big however, um, you know, looking at how Baltimore played the Dolphins a year ago uh, in week two, looking at how Baltimore played the Rams uh, in week 14 this year, looking at how Baltimore even played the 49ers. Um, this, is an, this is an interesting uh, sort of, you know, there's, there's sort of a, I guess, a, a contrast in the ways that you can look at it, because there is a reason that Miami chewed them up a year ago, right, in week two. Um, they can give the Baltimore defense, particularly when you space them out a little bit in the passing game, uh, they can give a lot of free access and a lot of space on that field. For Miami's very, very fast um, you know, uh, style of offense, and, and I realize that Jalen Waddell, we'll talk about that, is probably not going to play. Um, and that uh, that the fast offense of skill players is basically breaks down to Tyreek Hill, but then also, you know, Raheem Mostert and Devon uh, Achan. Um, they can give a lot of free access in that secondary, and if their linebackers are not able to get depth, if their linebackers are able to get depth, then that's, that's, the, um, that's the bad combination for Miami. But if they're doing that, that means that, that they have shut down the run game without much issue. You know that they're they're not afraid of it. They're not afraid of the run game. They're not afraid of little quick um, little quick passes to the to the backs or uh, with matchups against linebackers. It means they're not afraid of those things. So Miami has to make them afraid of those things. Um, yeah. But if they're not getting depth, 
then this <laughs> looks a little bit like, you know, you're going to laugh because Baltimore's defense is so good and, and so not the, the commander's defense. But when I looked at the commander's defense ahead of time, I was, you know, you knew that this was shaping up to be a great game for Miami offensively because of the free access that they allow all throughout the secondary. Miami can get to that against the Baltimore Ravens. They can. They can get to that uh, if they avoid um, some some bad situations and they avoid some bad situational play calls and they avoid, you know, shoot yourself in the foot type of uh, penalties that that present the Baltimore Ravens defense uh, opportunity to to play certain ways and shut down certain things in a very one-sided manner. So I think that um, I think that overall, you know, yes, if Miami does play a a sloppy game, and we've seen them do that offensively, then it plays right into Baltimore's hands. Particularly if uh, if Miami's defense is not stopping Baltimore's run too. Um, however, if if they're not. Then there's going to be there are going to be things to be had in the passing game for Miami. The combination of two is quick decision making, ultra quick decision making, getting the ball out with you know as JT O'Sullivan would say, capital A anticipation uh, to Tyreek Hill, who is a different speed than anything Baltimore's seen that secondary has seen this year. Um, there's there's going to be stuff to be had, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see which way it breaks. Because you know Mike McDonald, who was the defensive coordinator when they got embarrassed a year ago, uh, you know he's going to feel some kind of way about that, and so he's going to he's going to try and think of some things to uh, to stop Miami's offense. But if they play with that much free access, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Yeah, Alf. Mike McDonald likes to build pressures to attack protections. He likes to drop interior defensive linemen or show blitzes with linebackers, and then drop them off into coverage. And the structure of their defense kind of remains consistent when you look at the tape, but they're actually able to change the presentation, I suppose, of of what they're sending, what they're doing with lots of different fronts, lots of different personnel groups, which essentially just allows his unit to kind of bank reps throughout the season. So they're not relying on guys all of a sudden to be thrown in. And this is not a good example, but, you know, an Ethan Bonner, for example, being thrown in, having had no snaps. You look at their defense, you look at the players that Players who've played multiple snaps on the defensive line, Travis Jones, Madabuike, Michael Pierce, Brent Urban, at linebacker, Clowney, Malik Harrison, Adafi Owe, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Carl Van Noy. I mean, I think Van Noy's got seven or eight sacks this season. And in the secondary, Jalen Armour-Davis, Ronald Darby, Carl Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, Arthur Millett's had a couple of picks last couple of weeks, Brandon Stevens. I think Geno Stone still leads the NFL in interceptions. I mean, I didn't even mention Marcus Williams earlier on, who's one of the better free safeties in the league. Rocky Asin, the former second-round pick of the Colts, who's playing for them as well. Lots and lots of players have been banking snaps on that defense. And, you know, you can just rotate guys in and out, in and out, in and out the whole time. And that's not even mentioning guys like Tyus Bowser, who's on injured reserve, Trayvon Mullen, David Ajabo, all of those kind of players. So it's a, you know, it's a unit that knows what exactly what it's supposed to be. And, and Chris mentioned a very key thing there, mistakes. Miami has to play a mistake-free game. Don't they? If this if this is to stay, you know, in t- if they're to stay in touch. Oh, absolutely! It starts with uh, with zero a zero turnover game. Now, are they capable? Absolutely, they've done it <laughs> several times in the last few weeks. Uh, that's going to be key above all else. When everybody looks at the Ravens' defense, they they still have it in their head that it's a Wink Martindale defense, and they're going to bring the heat. Now, for two years, it's been a little bit more conservative of a defense, but they do bring a lot of simulated pressures, a lot of pressure five stuff, and that's that's actually given Jadavian Clowney uh, essentially a resurgence in his in his career. Uh, 
he's been very, very, very good. And he, we always knew he was really good against the run. Uh, this year, he's actually having a pretty damn good season as a pass rusher. Um, they're going to occupy your guards to try to set up one-on-one on on your tackle. So Teron Armstead is going to have to be left on an island once again. You tend to trust him. So the key's going to be on the other side with Austin Jackson, who I do expect to play. Uh, he's going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities because they're going to want to occupy you up up front. And since you have Tuatunga Valoa, remember we we tend to block for him a little bit different than most teams. You want to keep him very, very clean up, up front. So you're going to devote the numbers inside, which means that your tackles are going to be all alone. That's going to be hugely important in this game. And yeah, absolutely. Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike McDonald has, has done a wonderful job with this, with this team. I don't know if they have a defensive coordinator or a coordinator award of the, you know, of the year award, but he deserves it. Uh, A lot of the stuff that he puts on tape is, is, is confusing. It looks like cover three. One thing I did kind of pick up on, uh, Without Kyle Hamilton, we'll know more on Friday if he's going to play. He's likely to play, I would say, although he's nursing a couple of injuries. Without him, they can't play cover three, which is their best coverage, and which is actually a coverage that Tua's had a little bit of success against. So that's something to, to that's worth monitoring. Without Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton, their pass defense, their passer rating against goes down by 30, I mean, goes up by 30 points. So that's how important he is. Uh, Arthur Mallett is also nursing an injury, and so is Armour Davis. So that's also also worth monitoring as the week goes on. Yeah, just to tidy that up, Madabuka has 12 sacks, Jadavion Clowney has eight and a half, Van Noy has seven. So they're getting some real um they're getting some real uh, work from those veterans on the uh, on the edge there at linebacker. Um one thing that I think is really key in this game is the Dolphins' ability to be able to get mileage out of people that aren't called Tyreek Hill. We talked about it last night, Alf, and we will say it here. Jalen Waddle is not going to play in this game for the Dolphins. This this injury is as mild, in inverted commas, of a high ankle sprain as it is. It's still a high ankle sprain, and I think all three of us would be absolutely shocked if he played in this game. Um, Robbie Anderson, still in concussion protocol today, still in the red jersey, so, you know, you wonder about that. Is it you know, the, the relationship between Tua and Cedric Wilson has has picked up over the last few weeks. Obviously, you know, huge reliance on Braxton Berrios, huge reliance on on River Craycraft. Is this a potentially a game for an Anthony Schwartz to come up from the practice squad, Chris, in terms of just offering some speed if chosen, if Waddle are both out of the game? I think, uh, you know... I would I would normally want to say yes uh, because we you know with with a lot of the space that I was talking about before um, and less disruption then you want guys you want guys running through the secondary at fast speeds but this is a defense that is um, is so on top of uh, things fundamentally that I I think that you don't want to risk the mistakes. Um, I happen to think that Tyree Kill, if he's healthy and playing uh, the game, is actually enough to do what you need to do uh, to that secondary uh, in, in terms of utilizing a lot of space over the middle, depending on the, the depth of the linebackers. Um, I think that that's enough. And what you want to do with guys like River Craycraft, Braxton Berrios, 
um, is is take advantage of t- take advantage of kind of small spaces uh, underneath. I think that the rather this could be the game where because of the red zone presentation that um, that you have with the Baltimore defense and because of um, the way that they play their defense and sort of the the ways that you can that you can um, uh, I guess victimize them or try to anyway. Um, this could have actually be a good game for Chase Claypool to uh, to to get a little bit more action than he has been. Now he has to be on top of his things too uh, as well, and and not be making mistakes with his adjustments and where he sits down in the zone and and, and so on and so forth. Um, his chemistry with Tua is going to be very important, but uh, he and uh, you know run after catch guys, you know uh, guys that are big strong uh and can do them some things after the catch uh this could be a, a nice little test for that um whether they're they're on top of uh whether they're on top of their game for uh for on sunday so i would not look so much at an anthony schwartz i would just be looking a little bit more at like claypool what's he going to do what's river craycraft going to do what's cedric wilson going to do uh, like you said somebody else has to step up and place a Jalen waddle um but yeah, I think that with the with the access uh, that Tyreek Hill could be enough, kind of between the twenties, and then when you get to the red zone, that's where you could see an, uh, you know a surprising um, Chase Claypool pop up in that red zone area. Yeah, I suppose the one worry is, of course, Tyreek's still not one hundred percent healthy with his own ankle issue. Before right. we go to break, one last question: I, I wonder whether the Miami might look at what the Rams did to the Ravens a few weeks ago uh, and copy what Sean McVay did. Obviously, the offense is very similar. These two coaches out of the same school, Mike, McD- Mike McDaniel. Um, there's a lot of McDaniels, McDonald's, Mike and McVay's. McDaniel and McVay, obviously, <laughs> out of the same school of, of play caller, grew up together in terms of their coaching uh, youth, as it were. But the Rams played much more condensed than normal. They ran the ball really well out of 11 personnel. They overmanned the Ravens up front. And they did so in large part because Puka Nakua and Cooper Karp block so well from inside out. They line them up almost next to the tackles on a huge amount of stats, way more than normal. So a big onus on Craycraft, who's an excellent blocker, Wilson, who's an excellent blocker, Claypool, who we know has been an excellent blocker. And as uh, you know, I was just looking at some of his blocks yesterday uh, on the All-22, and actually he's been an excellent blocker in spurts for the Dolphins. Could you see Mike McDaniel change things up and play much more condensed out of 11 personnel in terms of how he lines players up. I'm pretty certain that that he that that was the first piece of tape that he put on this week because as soon as you look at the box score you see you have nearly a 300-yard passer and you have a running back go for 115. You want to know how that happened against that defense. The flip side to that though, sorry to interrupt you. The flip side to that is then looking at the other scheme of the of the three schemes that are very similar in the NFL, Shanahan, McVeigh, McDaniel. Obviously worked really well for McVeigh work terribly for Shanahan. So you've got to find the nuance between the two, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Although uh, I would caution against terribly for the 49ers. I think those turnovers were just too much to 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 take. They had 420 yeah, yards. I, I agree with you. Four, agree 429 with you yards of offense. Uh, they had opportunities. You just can't turn it over five times against a good team. You're going to get killed. Uh, it was a and miracle. That was, that... Alf, that, was, that was Brock Purdy. Like that, if you look at those turnovers... Like that was Brock Purdy being uncharacteristically late uh, on a lot of uh, on a lot of stuff, and it was it was some mistakes, outright mistakes. Do you think that Chris um, then goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show, and that's cha- ever changing coverages in terms of what McDonald does in terms of lining up one way, 
I mean, I was reading some of the beat writers who were talking to, to Shanahan who said that essentially they were showing one thing, dropping into another, and then as Purdy was going to throw, they were dropping into something else. So in terms of just mixing up coverages and rotating guys from, you know, underneath to into the middle of the field and guys from the middle to the outside, all those sorts of things, do you think we'll see that again in terms of that it felt like they had a plan for the spot thrower and obviously that's what tour is a spot thrower. and brandon stevens talked about it in the in the game afterwards in the um locker room afterwards about how they practiced all week for spot throwers specifically in terms of coverages so how do you kind of play that against because stafford is less of a spot thrower than the other two yeah i think that brock purdy in this case i mean if, if you really if you really look at the the number of plays that we're talking about here first interception he was just way late over the middle and it wasn't actually that difficult of a read I, I, I'm not sure why he was truly that late over the middle uh you know in the end zone and uh against that um that that too high look uh he was he was just very late and you could kind of picture and it, it's it's so different from Tua because you know you could kind of picture we, we're used to seeing the Dolphins offense for Houston, we kind of have an idea when, when that ball would come out, you know, in, in, of Tua's hands. And it was just uh, so much later. And then you have another situation, uh, an interception where there's a, there's a cat blitz on um, and, you know, there's a guy directly in the passing lane for the screen and Brock Purdy kind of throws it anyway. And I think that's also a little bit different from Tua too, because Tua, you know, not that he's Superman or anything, but it's, when there's a guy, he's good with passing lanes. Tua is, uh, has always been good with passing lanes. Despite being short, you know, he will pump, he will see it, he will pump and reload or just throw it into the first um, into the first row of the stands. And then there's another interception Brock Purdy throws where, and this was almost like a Zach Wilson type of play where, you know, yes, it was pretty well covered, um, but he starts running around trying to get away from the rush and he's twirling around and going every, every which direction. That's not Tua either. Like Tua, Tua doesn't do that for better or worse, sometimes worse, you know? And, um, and so like that, that's very uncharacteristic too. And then you look at some other stuff and then there's some other stuff that happens kind of late because it was late and because it was, uh, the, the scoreboard was out of control. Um, I think that there were, there were some interesting mistakes that were going on with the 49ers and with Brock Purdy that just don't seem to map over that well with, uh, with what Tua Tungvaloa does um, as a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see which way it breaks. They will disguise those coverages and they are very diverse in their coverage packages. Um, but you know, so are the commanders, <laughs> the commanders, the commanders are very diverse in their coverage packages as well. And we just, we just uh, pass the ball through the ball all over the yard against them because they allow so much free, free access and so much space. So I think the really key is going to be whether we can prevent those linebackers from getting depth. If those linebackers get a lot of depth, then we can start to be in trouble. But if not, watch out. And that was the success that the 49ers had with, with Warner and Greenlaw and Al Shair in the game that we lost mm -hmm. last season. We are going to break. When we come back, we'll look at what happens when the Dolphins are on defense. This is three yards per carry. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. This is our Baltimore preview, our Week Seventeen preview. I'm nervous about the game already. Uh, I don't know what you guys are feeling. When the Ravens have the ball, we in the first half, we looked at what happens when the Ravens are on defence. When the Ravens have the ball, obviously, it all starts with their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. The difference, I think, guys, for me with Lamar this year is that he is finally surrounded by talent at all three spots. Mark Andrews has obviously been the stud for him for years. Um there is a kind of a four-headed run game, which is now down to a three-headed run game because Keaton Mitchell obviously tore his ACL, but they can still obviously move the ball with any one of those guys, whether it's Justice Hill, whether it's Gus Edwards, Lamar obviously runs it himself. Um, And at receiver, obviously now with Zay Flowers, with Odell Beckham, and look, it's not the same Odell Beckham as it was in in New York, but the guy can still make plays. You know, Flowers, Beckham, Bateman is is playing well. There are guys at all levels for him now that, you know, and one of the things Alf and I talked about last night, Chris, is that Miami have had a number of almost sacks. And there were a number last week against Dak Prescott where it felt like he was going down. And then he's Miami have got to take Lamar down if they get the chance, haven't they? Because he can just create danger. I mean, as he did in the game last year, everybody forgets because of the comeback. But you forget that he had that long touchdown run in the game because we just couldn't get a hand on him. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, getting him down, that's obviously easier said than done. A lot of people are kind of under the mistaken impression, oh, all you have to do is, you know, you just have to contain him and make him play, you know, quote unquote, real quarterback. And and that's it. And that's that's, of course, pure nonsense. Um, I think that when you're facing this offense, if they can get the ball, if they can get the ball going on the ground the way that they do, they generally have. Um, and they'll use Lamar Jackson in order to do that, then you're in trouble. Then you're a little bit in trouble on defense. Uh, that's why it's an interesting matchup with Miami's defense, which, you know, notwithstanding that first game against the Los Angeles Chargers where they had no background tape on what the Chargers offense would look like under Kellen Moore, 
because um, they played nobody in their preseason, you know, games, and they, you know, Austin Eckler just just ran all over Miami. There was also, you know, new install for the for the guys up front. Since that game where they allowed 233 yards, they've, you know, they've been outstanding against the run. Um, Vic Fangio has uh, has allowed the front, the defensive front, to be. Um, I mean, the term I used on Twitter the other day is kaiju. I mean, they're 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 just um, they're outstanding. They're dominant uh, players, and I think that if Miami can stop that run, then we are talking about a um, a very uh, a very potentially better scenario for the Dolphins. Um, I will say this though, uh, you know, Vic Fangio has coached against Lamar Jackson twice. Uh, one of the games uh, got cut short to only three drives because Lamar got hurt. Um, for whatever it's worth, those three drives were all, you know, almost like three and out type failures. Um, but the other game, you know, it's kind of kind of a, a, a very modest offensive out, uh, performance for Lamar, too, in that game, uh, aided by, you know, the, the Broncos punted like 10 times, 10 of their first uh, 11 uh, drives or something like that. Um so, so it's not that Vic Fangio has an established history of being weak to Lamar Jackson necessarily, um, but it's going to be interesting how that run shapes up against our run defense. Would you blitz him, Chris? Would I blitz Lamar Jackson? Yeah, that's <laughs> if I knew if I if I could be solid on the answer to that, then I would um, then I would be paid very well as a defensive coordinator <laughs> in the NFL. Um, but I think that uh, it's worth noting that in the past, Lamar Jackson has had trouble with exotic blitzes. Uh, and, and you know, you can go back to 2021 when Brian Flores and Josh Boyer whipped out the uh, all the zeros against him, and he was just absolutely perplexed. Now, when they turned around and faced us again in week, uh, week two last year, it was still Josh Boyer, um, and we still attacked in kind of the same way. Clearly, they had worked on answers to that, and they they were they diced Miami's defense up last year. But this is a completely new approach with Vic Fangio. What I know is that Vic Fangio will not blitz him. <laughs> Vic Fangio will probably not blitz him. Vic Fangio will uh, will probably only blitz very situationally. He gets a little bit happier about it. Say if they're backed up to their own end zone. Um, but, um, uh, other than that, I think it's going to be only in very intense moments. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if those very intense moments when, when Fangio does, uh, dial it up, if, if it came, if it got home. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. Alf, just before we get to our predictions, uh, to me, Lamar is kind of a two play quarterback in that he's got two plays in one because he has a throw, but if you shut down the throw, he has the ability to beat you with his feet. And there isn't, you know, when you watch Baltimore and take, there isn't one play that kind of stands out that is their bread and butter. They're going to call more than, you know, any other because of that reason, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, four verts or curls or flats or three level routes. It, it doesn't matter. There's not going to be a route. They're going to call more than they necessarily would need to, because when he gets outside the pocket, play two of of what he can do sort of takes over and that's what sets him apart from everything else that and the ability to people keep saying oh he can't pass in the, pass in the pocket can't pass in the pocket i mean i think that was kind of destroyed in 2019 and it, and he remains a good pocket passer but 
these two play quarterbacks have killed us in the past. Josh Allen forever on third down, you know, picking up yards with his feet. A huge game for the linebackers and for whoever plays safety, just in terms of just not vacating that middle of the field so that, you know, if we shut play one down, he doesn't become that two play quarterback. Yeah, ever since uh, Jalen Phillips got got injured, they've been playing this fifty-two front that I find absolutely fascinating, and it's it's absolutely impenetrable. Okay, they play Raekwon Davis as as a zero or or shading as a one on either side. They play the both defensive tackles in Sealer and Wilkins, and then they have their edge players in Chubb and Wilkins, and what they I mean and uh, and Van Ginkle, and what they do is that Duke Riley is actually dictating where that front is going to either shift to or who's staying on or off. So he's talking to the edge players as far as who gets the back, who gets the flat. And those simulated pressures could be huge because you're showing five with your middle linebacker up on the line of scrimmage. That's six. So now they're calling protections, but you're only bringing four and they don't know it. And that was a problem for Dak Prescott uh, this past uh, Sunday. I think that that's the way forward. I don't think you have to blitz Lamar Jackson. You're just going to have to disguise all your pressures over and over again. And that's, I think, going to be the biggest one because you could just keep bringing Duke Riley in the A-gap. That's going to give him off a spot. And that gets him running. And then you start running side to side. And if you do that, you can get to him. You can't slow down that offense because, believe it or not, yes, I absolutely agree with you. He, there's two plays with that, that he plays with, but that first play is mostly on timing, and it's mostly inside out with Zay Flowers as the primary as of late. So if you got that covered inside, and that's something that Miami has done as of late as well, and they did it against Dallas masterfully where they're, they're playing middle of the field open uh, defenses, but they're they have essentially a picket fence right across the field with three defenders. So there's essentially no space to throw the football. And then you had the pass rush bearing down on you. I think those simulated pressures are going to be huge in this game with Duke Riley, David Long, the interior backers getting up the field as as we send our edge players out into the flat or as spies. Uh, what's going to be important for that? Safety play. Safety play is going to have to be really, really good. And that's why if Javon Holland can give it a go, he'll be a huge piece in this game. He will be. He will be. Right, let's get to predictions before we get out of here. We have two and a half minutes left on our Zoom chat. So, Alf, starting with you, what is your prediction for this game? I think it's Miami's year. I think they're going to make a deep run this year. They're going to make a run at the Super Bowl. I don't know if they get there, but I think they're going to get close, and it's going to start with a win at M&T Bank Stadium. They're getting perfect weather. I say Miami. Jason Sanders kicks them. Through to another win, 23-20, Miami. Chris? I'm going to say, actually, I think 27 points wins the game um, for Miami on offense. And I I think it could be a 27-20 type of outing. The Miami offense will be glad to not be facing Micah Parsons. Um, You know, and, and honestly, I think that Miami is on top of their stuff now in terms of uh, playing a little bit cleaner. And uh, we'll see on Sunday. But if they do, there's going to be space. There's going to be space and opportunities to run as well as opportunities to pass. And so uh, that's what I see. I'm going to be the bad guy here. I'm sorry, people. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going Baltimore 31, Miami 20. I just, um, yeah, I just have a bad feeling. But then maybe it's I'm a glass half empty because I've just been hurt 
Simon, you're you're not a glass half empty guy. You're a glass half full of cyanide guy. Yeah, I'm a glass fucking hell. I can't take this much more. It's um <laughs> honestly that Dallas game was fucking torturous. My son who hates sport was sat next to me. Are you more afraid of Miami winning or of Miami losing? Because <laughs> uh, Miami wins, question, the pressure really ratchets up. Yeah, that's a yeah, really that, that's good that's question. what I'm saying. Yeah, Miami wins. You understand that making the Super Bowl is like the bare minimum, right? <laughs> I'm going to freak out if they win. I mean, I freaked out when that. My son was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, mate, you have no understanding or idea of what's happening in my body right now. But yeah, I mean, maybe this is a bit of reverse psychology. We, we shall see. Whatever happens, we will be here for you on Monday or maybe Tuesday because it's New Year. I can't remember how it's playing out, but it might be New Year's Day, whatever. But we'll be back. We will look back at what happens in the game. We'll break it all down. And then next week, we'll preview the final game of the season, which may or may not be the biggest game, the next biggest game of the Dolphins season, depending on what happens at m Bank Stadium on Sunday. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.